Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. After the meal, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He replied, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, Look after my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that he had asked him the third time, Do you love me? And said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, remember not only the men and women of goodwill, but those of ill will. Do not remember all the sufferings that they have subjected us to, but remember the fruits we have brought forth thanks to our suffering, our comradeship, our loyalty, our humility, and the greatness of heart that has grown out of all of this. When they come to judgment, let all these fruits that we have borne be their reward and their forgiveness. This prayer was found on the body of a dead child at the entrance to Ravensbrook concentration camp, which is the women's concentration camp run by the Nazis. The prayer is absolute nonsense. In other words, it can't be understood simply by the five senses, hence non-sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense if you just judge it by the five senses of what we can see, hear, touch, taste and feel. So much of the way we see the world today seems to be only understood by what we see, taste, touch, smell and hear. But Shakespeare's Hamlet reflects that there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamtive, dreamtive in your philosophy. We all know this truth, and we all deal with it in our different ways. On reflecting on what I wanted to say today, I was thinking of the countless times in my life when I have experienced firsthand examples of human fortitude and courage in the face of difficulty trial and suffering. It's not only priests who experience this, but the life of a priest 
in this life we are regularly party to this humbling encounter of human suffering. In my bedroom as a child, my father placed two images. One was a picture of the death of Admiral Lord Nelson, with the words underneath it, England expects this day every man shall do his duty, and the other was a copy of If, Rudyard Kipling's famous poem. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they have gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. Nelson's words are a challenge to us to do your duty. And Kipling's poem is about perseverance in the face of life's ups and downs. And in the middle of these two images was my first Holy Communion cross. And I am delighted this afternoon that the person who stood next to me as I received that cross is smiling at me with a big grin at the moment. These three images helped me to understand that greater love has no man than he give up his life for his friends. I knew that I had to do my duty because I belonged to my God, my family, my friends, my church, my city and my country. And to carry out my duty in the face of all the ifs I would face in my life, where I would need perseverance and sometimes courage. The greatest achievements in this world are carried out when they come from a truly human and loving heart. We can all see the effects of human endeavour that lacks heart. They are mediocre, lacking compassion and truly human inspiration. We look inward and we only measure success by what is material. People very often ask me, why did I become a priest? And there's a very simple answer. I was surrounded by good people when I grew up. My parents, my family, my friends, the priests in my parish at St. Margaret's in Canning Town, the sisters of the Franciscan Missionaries of Mary who taught me, and the amazing characters that you came across when you have a father who was a true good Samaritan and a mother who created a warm and loving home. Growing up in a pub in the East End of London where everyone seemed to know my father introduced me to an experience of life where it was possible to see the good in everyone. My father would say that he had never met a bad person. Only ordinary people who from time to time did bad things. This wisdom has hopefully guided me all of my life. Now when you describe someone, you can describe them in two ways. Physically, so bald and 64, that's pretty straightforward. 
Or you can describe their character. So when you say, what are they like? They're actually asking, what sort of person are you? Now the character of the writer of the prayer that I've just said was someone who through suffering developed comradeship, loyalty, humility, courage, generosity and a greatness of heart that had grown out of their experience in a concentration camp. Although they experienced suffering of the most terrible kind, they recognised that all circumstances in life present a choice. It can make you bitter or better. And that choice is there for all of us. What has inspired me all my life has been the ordinary people of great heart who I have had the honour to meet. I just want to mention two very briefly. One was a merchant navy captain called Bob Fulham. And Bob was a tanker captain and he retired. And he retired to the place where he wanted to be at home, which was the Queen Victoria Seaman's Rest in Poplar. And Bob used to come regularly around all the pubs in Canning Town. And when he wanted a chat, he'd come and knock on the door of the presbytery. And one night it was pouring a rain and I took him home. And we were sitting, pouring a rain outside of the Queen Vic, the proper Queen Vic, that is. And I said to him, Bob, you know, sometimes people take advantage of you. They take your money. They tell you stories that are not true and you give them money. And he looked at me and he said, Father, nobody takes advantage of me. And he rolled over, pulled out his wallet and pulled out a little piece of paper. And on it was written, what does it profit a man to have gained the whole world but to have lost his very self? My parish priest, Canon Patrick O'Donnell, was a man of his time. He was ordained in 1917 when he came to St. Margaret's in Canningtown. He was a remarkable priest as old school as you can imagine. But he always would say to us, when someone was in trouble, always do what you can to help them. And between a father who was a good Samaritan and a parish priest who was telling us always to help, it made an impact. I apologise now for those of you who have heard this story so many times, Anya. But I'm going to tell it because it's a story that's important to me. Having returned on a Wednesday evening from the darkness of Hackney Marshes with a group of individuals who I would call partners in crime, who are sitting on the back row at the moment, having avoided being arrested yet again, I came home. And when I got off the train, there was a man in front of me who was drunk. And he was very drunk. So much so that he was sick. And he was so sick that as he was sick, his teeth shot out of his mouth. And they landed right in front of me on the stairs on the stationing, the old Canningtown station. 
And I looked at these teeth. And in one ear I could hear my parish priest. And the other ear I could hear the old man. And I knew exactly what I had to do. And I walked straight past them. <laughs> but, but, I couldn't do it. So I came back down and I picked up his teeth. And I gave him his teeth. And I helped him up the stairs. And when he got to the top, he turned to me and said, Thank you, son. And off he went. Now, I don't know who he was. I've never met him since. But as I walked home, I couldn't quite work out why I felt so good. Not good in myself, that I'd done something good that was actually quite horrible. But I'd done something good. And what I learned, and this is what all young people need to learn, is that you can make a difference to the world in which you live. But it costs. You have to do something that sometimes you don't like. People then ask me, what's it like being a priest? Well, ask any priest and they can never give you a straight answer on that one. Because there are just so many things. Now here are just one or two things that have happened to me in my life. I was called urgently to meet the head of Thames Water. And he said, Father, we're in trouble. We've got a problem. Will you come down to Beckton Sewerage work? So I went down to Beckton Sewers. And he said, they won't work. I said, who won't work? He says, the tunnellers won't work. I said, why won't they work? He says, because nobody's blessed the statue of St. Barbara. I'm thinking, this... We never covered this in the seminary. <laughs> so, having been trained in the equipment of gas masks, I had to go down with my best casagon, 200 feet down a shaft, hanging on to a wooden statue of St. Barbara, where there were a hundred tunnellers waiting for the blessing of St. Barbara. I once took a thousand travellers and gypsies to Rome, now that was a great challenge. The Holy Father had a good idea. You know, Pope Francis has all sorts of good ideas. And one of his good ideas was that he would invite all the travellers to Rome. And I nearly got arrested in St. Peter's Square because they thought I was holding a rally with a thousand English and British travellers and gypsies standing around as I was trying to explain to them what the Holy Father had said in Italian. And because I don't speak Italian, I was making it up. The countless times when I've been called to Newham General in the middle of the night to share the last moments in a person's life and the privilege of being with so many people at the end of their life. Seeing the young people that you've worked with growing up to be fine citizens, husbands and wives, parents, teachers, advocates for justice, thoroughly good and decent people, and it is a great joy to me to see so many of you here this afternoon because you know who you are. Being asked to speak about my great hero, Cardinal Manning, and his involvement in the great dock strike of 1889 in Hyde Park during Pope Benedict's visit where I had the great privilege of being the warm-up act for the Pope. Taking communion to an old lady 
who hadn't been out of her flat for 10 years. And her talking about the apple blossom and the joy of seeing the apple blossom because that's all she could see. Working in the mass mortuary in Finsbury Barracks after the London bombings and the trauma of the people involved. Nearly getting done for contempt of court more than once when speaking up for a parishioner in court. Being chaplain to the London Olympics and Paralympics. And believe me, one global event in a man's lifetime is enough. And being part of the London Citizens team that came up with the idea of a living wage which has now become a reality for so many in our country. You are what you love. And if your only love in life is based on possessions that you have, then you end up being possessed by a power that always says, this is never enough. This material love leads to a sense of loss and meaningless in life and can lead to despair. But the life of Jesus invites us to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labour and not to ask for any reward, save that of knowing that we do your will. Following this road, you find an inner awareness that despite our frailties and mistakes, the spiritual strengths of love, patience, kindness, perseverance, compassion, faithfulness, reconciliation and courage gives us an inner strength that we call joy. Joy is to happiness what the deep sea is to a puddle. It's an inner strength, a consequence of having hope and finding meaning in your life. Our search for meaning means that you have to look, search, and not be satisfied by empty momentary happiness. For what will it have profited a man to have gained the whole world and to have lost his very self? Only when we embrace the spiritual truths of life, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fidelity, courage, compassion, and a spirit of reconciliation and forgiveness in our life, will we truly understand who we are, for we are what we love, and the source of this love is God. In today's Gospel, Jesus asks Peter three times, Do you love me? He asks him these questions in the face of Peter's betrayal. And despite our weaknesses, the love of God is unconditional. Each question is asking Peter, where is love in your life? I want to thank those who first taught me how to love. My parents, my family and friends who stood alongside me and still do. The joy of lifelong friendships and friends we meet among the way is surely one of the great human experiences of life. This is the first and most important love, realising that you are loved. 
The second love is how you commit yourself to loving. And for this, I want to thank the Catholic Church, which has given me the framework to express the love that I first received. I could never, in my wildest imaginations, when I offered myself to the diocese as an 18-year-old, I could never imagine the excitement, the challenges, the fun, the awesomeness, the sheer exhaustion, the frustration, the constant inspiration and joy that is being a Catholic priest. The third love has been from the people I have served over the past 40 years, my parishioners and the people I have worked with and supported. Your love for me has been unconditional and through the ups and downs of my life you have supported me, comforted me and taught me. So the answer to Jesus' question for me today is yes Lord I love you because of the love I have received in abundance from all of you who are here today. And I thank you for the joy in my heart that has come from family and friends from the church and the people that I have had the privilege to serve. I want to end with, I think, a remarkable prayer. Nothing is more practical than finding God, than falling in love, in a quite absolute and final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you wish to do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love. Stay in love. It will decide everything. God bless you, and thank you very much.